What's the worst day you ever had in your business? I can name a few. I was a five-time award-winning entrepreneur who burned out because I couldn't give up control of anything in my business, whether it was because I thought I could do it faster or because I thought I couldn't afford it. I just refused to let anybody else in. Consequently, the business turned from a dream goal into a job I hated and I didn't know what to do anymore. In 2015, I closed my business, walked away, and started a whole new life. But I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up after that. And I realized that what I really love to do is marketing. I love to talk about marketing and create marketing and teach other people how to create value-based marketing initiatives that talk to their customers. I've done it for corporations, for entrepreneurs like you, bloggers, and everybody in between. I'm here to help you create your dream empire that gives you the freedom to create your life the way you want to do it. My name is Megan Brain. This is Stop Sucking Your Business. Let's go. Hello, my precious blueberries. Welcome to the podcast and thank you for joining me. Today is going to be a very special episode. It's going to be uh, something that has been on my mind for a long time and I have brought on a special guest who you may remember from a previous episode to help me figure out what the hell to talk about and how to say it and how to get past this. So I am here with Rachel Mini. Rachel, thank you for coming back on. I'm so happy you're here. Yes, thank you for having me. Such a joy and a pleasure. Thank you. Oh, of course. So for those who might have not heard your first episode, can we do a quick round about who you are and all of the good stuff you do? Yeah, absolutely. So for those of you who don't know, I'm a financial educator for women. I host a membership that allows women to really get to know themselves better with money and redefining their relationship with money. And then I also very specifically help women who want a corporate exit strategy for those who want to delve more into a passion project or change careers completely. What is the financial strategy that gets to go along with that exit? And how do we work through the emotional intelligence of being with one money, understanding money and the strategy and making sure that we feel secure in that transition? I think that you are probably, uh, you have a unique perspective on this because I'm sure that you get, you delve into this realm a lot that we're going to talk about. And that is having a positive mindset and having that work in a productive way and not falling into toxic positivity, which um, I first came across toxic positivity when I was learning about the drama that is going on with an entrepreneur named Rachel Hollis. And um, for those who don't know who she is, she wrote a bunch of books about um, what girl wash your face, girl stop apologizing. And it found apparently she has been in the center of this world of what's being known as toxic positivity. And it was really interesting to me to think about the way that we frame having a positive mindset in spite of everything else. So, and like how that can become detrimental. So um, in your experience, do you have like a good definition of what toxic positivity is? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would say that it becomes toxic when we just internally neglect pieces of ourselves that 
we're trying to repress. And I'll give mm. an example here mm -hmm. because I know for myself, I've been doing a lot of studying on the Enneagram and I have a coach that's walking me through it. And for myself, part of my um, personality and what usually pulls through is I talk a lot about possibility and what's possible with money. And there's a very positive focus around my marketing, even in that realm. Mm -hmm. And when I get into coaching sessions, we do have a lot of cry sessions and a lot of the <laughs> like the emotion and negative side of money and the fear and the guilt and the shame. So um, I'm noticing even within myself, like, where do I repress certain pieces of me, my story, my journey, because I'm operating from a even marketing strategy that is very positive, possible possibility focused. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I do that because I don't want to have someone hire me because they are having a fear of missing out. I don't want something, right? Mm -hmm. So like there's mm -hmm. these different ways to even market in a business. And a lot of them are around urgency and, you know, scarcity. And I talk all about not having a scarcity mindset with wealth building. So it's like, mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about any of that, right? From a marketing like lens, mm -hmm. but I think I'm then neglecting to kind of the positive um, toxicity of there are pieces of us that we do want to pull through and recognize and not repress or suppress around that scarcity mindset. That's real, right? So in me not mm -hmm. talking about it because I don't want someone to make a decision to hire me from that space, now I'm neglecting a piece of that within people, within our own humanity. So um, it's not really a, a, a one sentence definition, but <laughs> just what I've been experiencing lately. It's like, hmm, okay, maybe there are stories to be shared around, you know, the fact that we do feel guilty for making certain decisions with money, especially as women, we do have shame and resentment towards money. And every time I bring up those topics, it's kind of in a, a sliver of like the bigger story of like, I want people to play impossibility but I get more and more comments and questions about that. So I do feel like that's a place I get to go deeper and uh, it's uncomfortable and yeah. it it's where people want to go. Cause that's real. I, I think what I've been noticing when it comes to positive mindset and um, toxic positivity is just, it becomes this slippery slope in my opinion, right. Of just, you know, you do have to believe in yourself and give yourself the ability um, to not succumb to negative self-talk because it's, it's so easy to do that, right? It's so easy to say like, I'm not qualified or I'm not, I'm not that person, but there's, it seems to be like, you can go totally on this side of the mountain and just do tons of negative self-talk, or you can go on this other side of the mountain and just do like your house is on fire and you're done you're not paying attention to it. You know what I mean? Like that, that meme yep. of that dog in the fire, like, this is fine. Everything's fine. And just how have you noticed, like, what have you noticed any warning signs with your clients of like, when you should start thinking about, okay, maybe you're not really being not realistic, but maybe you're not being pragmatic. Yeah, there's um, a few clients right now in particular that are even stretching my capacity to hold space on this topic. So I feel like it's so relevant. It's like, oh, okay, because I've done the work personally of building my wealth mindset of all of the pieces that embody wealth and and 
worthiness around wealth. Now there's this massive contrast of people are hiring me that don't feel that on a very vast level. And so in working with those um, individuals, it's very clear we have to start where they're at, which Mm. makes sense. But it's even a little scary for me because I am in such a very positive mindset, very grounded space with wealth building. And do I go backwards? Because in a sense, I'm Mm. going backwards to meet them where they're at, to pull them through and to help them transform. And so I think even in my own journey that it gets scarier and scarier because I'm holding more and more space, the more, um, you know, people become aware of what I can offer. And it gets deeper into this negative self-talk that, you know, the ones that are hiring me are very deep in it. And so I've noticed myself getting like even frustrated, like, oh, do I go here again with someone who just Mm. doesn't get it? It's like, well, that's the whole reason people hire you, Rochelle, (laughs) is they don't get it. (laughs) So it's like this very interesting dance that I have to even like really recognize within myself of grounding myself in. I get to go there. I get to meet them where they're at and knowing like how many of those kinds of clients do I actually take on while knowing Mm -hmm. there are a lot more people like kind of in the middle ground, right? Where they just need, they don't need as much handholding to get through that mindset piece of going from the negative into even a more centered harmony between the two, right? And to to be more Mm -hmm. pragmatic. So I've noticed specifically there are a lot of conversations we have, especially in our first couple of sessions around all of the self-defeating talk that happens in their own mind and digging Mm. into where that's coming from. Why is that coming up? And I think the biggest challenge for me is to not judge, right? To hold space enough to where they don't feel judged. They do feel heard and they can experience themselves in a new light of if I can hold space for them, they can hold space for them in recognizing that that self-talk is, it's not good or bad. We're not placing judgment on it. We are simply naming and noticing what that is and that it shows up. And the moment they can start to see that transition from, okay, this is just, there is something inside of me that's causing this. And once we can really unpack that, then it's like, you can no longer deny it. You have that awareness Mm. factor that comes through and then it's like, okay, now I'm ready for the tools to help me climb the ladder to get to be more pragmatic about it, to see it as even possible, to think about it in a more positive light. And, but I think we just, from a toxic positivity standpoint, we, we don't even talk about it, right? We don't talk Mm. about that side of it. And so Mm. that's where the, the challenges in my mind, I've read a few, um, Rachel, of Rachel's book and and I do remember setting them down multiple times because it was like just this like neglect of acknowledging that that mm. exists this mm-hmm. acknowledgement that you know there are pieces of us that create this harmony within ourselves and the only reason we can have the positive side is because we know the negative side we've been through the fire we've done the work right Can we talk more about um, your grounding technique and how you utilize that? Yeah, definitely. Um, Every time before I enter a coaching, what I like to call container, right? A session, Mm -hmm. whether that's on Zoom or in person, I 
spend about 10 to 15 minutes doing nothing, right? Really mm. making sure I'm not actually doing a whole lot. I've done all the prep already for the session. I'm really sitting with, and I'm, it's so interesting now that I've started this in the last probably six months, how much more intuitive um, polls come through in seeing where someone is at. Like right before a session, I'll do this. And I have kind of this little panic of like, do I have everything prepared, right? <laughs> and like usually I'd be preparing, but instead I'm sitting with nothingness. I'm sitting just being quiet within my own mm -hmm. mind, within my own space. I'm, you know, space is already set, the scene is already set, and I'm closing my eyes and I'm thinking about their journey up until this point, what we've experienced together in their journey. And what always, like without fail, ever since I started doing this, there are usually two or three things that's like questions I get to ask, mm -hmm. um, things I'm be being more curious about. It's basically taking the time to recognize where have I not gone with this person? Where can I get more curious? And every time I do that and have, and it's usually a place where I don't want to go, right? It's mm -hmm. like this, yeah, you get to be courageous and ask them about this one thing they mentioned that one time that's like, didn't mean anything then, but I'm like, mm, there's must be something there. And every time I dig into whatever that thing is, I'll use a specific example with a client here in a second. But every time I do that, it's like, wow, so much unfolds from there and transforms in those moments where I ask that hard question or go mm -hmm. deeper into that uncomfortableness of they feel guilty about the shoes they bought last week. It's like, it's not about that. It's actually about something else, but they brought it up for some reason, right? They, they mm -hmm. brought up something that didn't really seem like anything in the moment, but when I sit and I sit with nothingness and I let whatever come through in those moments, it, it becomes really clear that that means something. I get to go there with them. Um, and the most recent one was with the client and she made a like fleeting comment around, I just feel guilty about leaving my current role to go into another role and get paid more. It's flexible hours, everything she wants, but she's hesitating, right? She, we've had three or four sessions now where she's not pulling the trigger and I couldn't, I couldn't pinpoint why I'm like, I feel like we've figured everything out. Like what's, what's not working? Like do it. Right. <laughs> I There's can't a do key it here. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> like I've, I've clearly not uncovered something and it came through in one of our sessions. And even before my session, like I get to ask her more about her current role and like why she does love it. Why does she enjoy it? You know, because we she talked all about in the beginning why she didn't enjoy it. I'm like, well, there's got to be something that's keeping her there. Mm -hmm. And it was guilt. It was, she doesn't want to leave her, she has one client, her client pays her very well, and their negotiation, and very well is all subjective to her sure. understanding of that, right? But when she agreed to start working with this client, she was coming from a space where she wasn't getting what she wanted, same thing, right? It was a it was an up level to be working with this client. And she only had one client and they have a very strong relationship. She helps her daily. It's one of those, like she goes into her house and helps her with everything type of scenarios. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she does have flexible hours, right? So all the things that she says she wants, she has in some capacity, but that one person is so reliant on her it's to the point where she feels guilty to take a day off. She feels guilty to leave and go on vacation, to spend time with her own child, right? So it's become so um, neglected in the I have boundaries 
area. Mm-hmm. And that's what, what's preventing her from like taking the next leap of faith into a, a different type of role. And so it was uncovering that. It's like, wow, like that's what was really powerful in me taking the time to recognize that I'm missing something. I'm still, I still get to get more curious and going there and pulling that through. It became very clear to both of us why she hasn't taken the leap to that next experience. And we were talking all about the positive sides of, of all of it. And it's like, okay, there's clearly a, a feeling that we're neglecting here. And it was the guilt right. that she feels in leaving and the guilt that she feels in her life is going to be so much better because of this. And she even used the word selfish. I feel selfish mm-hmm. for taking this opportunity for myself and leaving her behind. And so it was reframing that for, okay, great. Well, what would it look like if you did help her find a person to support her to take your space? What would it look like to instead have a transitional type of period versus just uh, cutting her off and being done and never talking to her again, right? And so it's that emotional attachment to other humans that we get to um, maybe unravel a little bit, but more gently and Mm -hmm. versus just, you know, cutting the cord. So it was really interesting just when I go deeper within myself, I can pull out more from someone else in front of me. That's so interesting. And I think that you nailed it perfectly with this, you know, there was this mental block of ending up finding that it was this guilt that it's not that we have been taught to ignore it, but that it would probably be better to ignore it and just focus on the other thing. And, but it's still, it's this baggage that we end up carrying and, I I think you just nailed it on just. Hey guys, Megan here. Just a reminder, I have regular Q&A episodes coming out. So if you want your questions answered, head to meganbrame.com slash ask a question, all one word, and you'll be able to get your question posted. And if I feature it, you will get a copy, a free copy of my book, Day One, A Practical Guide to Launching Your Business. So again, head to meganbrame.com slash ask a question. And if your question gets featured, I'm sending you a free copy of my book as a thank you. It, to avoid this kind of world where your whole house is on fire and you're not paying attention to it, like you have to acknowledge these things in your life. And even if authors and gurus are saying like, just keep positive, just say like, you have to still be realistic on the things that are happening in your life. Uh, I, I don't know if your client um, has a family or things like that, but I think especially when you have a partner or you have a family or some, you know, other people you're beholden to where it's, you know, yeah, you can go invest $20,000 on this coach. If you really think that it's going to happen and help you, but you've also got to acknowledge that there are other people in this world that are being, there's a ripple effect to our decisions and that um, I'm starting to ramble, but I hope that kind of making sense too. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually a pet peeve of mine is like some of these business coaches and stuff like 20 grand for my thing. It's Mm -hmm. like, okay. And again, this is just me and the money approach side of it, but are you going to support someone in finding the money? Are you going to support them and right. feeling good about that decision? And that's something I've like, I have, you know, I have a $20,000 program, right? But mm-hmm. I'm not 
I'm helping someone find the money and uncover and unpack where that gets to come from and recognize all the decisions that they get to make before even making that $20,000 decision. Right. So it just, it kind of, <laughs> it annoys me when it's like, just pay for my thing. And, and right. there's just like no sense of, um, again, groundedness and like, this is feeling good. It's a good decision for me. It's a good decision for me right now. And I'm going to receive the results I'm desiring from it. So that's kind of the other mm -hmm. end of it. It's like, yeah. what happens if someone doesn't receive the results that they're expecting? And there's always that fear in buying something to that price and magnitude. Mm -hmm. But when you can as a business coach finance coach whatever kind of coach you are when you can solidify like i'm gonna stick with you here and get there with you no matter what like that really allows people to let the walls come down and that's something that i've done i've never had someone go over their you know time frame that we've committed to or anything it's mm -hmm. just recognizing that that's a fear recognizing that it's not all butterflies and rainbows there's mm -hmm. going to be breakdowns and i'm going to be here with you like that really puts people at ease with making that decision but even the before you make that decision conversation mm. so let's kind of talk about do you feel that there are signs people should pay attention to to decide or to realize that they are no longer in a positive mindset, but are actually going towards toxic positivity. Have you noticed like there are any kind of like common signs that people use? Yeah, it's usually um, in their languaging is where I can usually pinpoint it mm. because our, our language um, dictates so much of what our emotions are, are maybe not saying because we've conditioned ourselves or patterned ourselves to put on the smile. Like even mm. when in sales, like smile and dial, right? right. <laughs> it's like <laughs> these things these uh, that we pull through that are like how to make us feel happy make us feel some type of way but our language and our stories that we tell ourselves are the either denial or lies or sometimes just plain blatant uh repression of what's going on inside and so it requires someone else in listening to that dialogue because sometimes within ourselves we can't hear it mm -hmm. it takes usually a partner or someone else that's close being able to kind of give us those truth bombs of like, and asking the hard questions of, is that really how we're feeling? And I noticed it specifically with storytelling, like listen to someone tell a story and how they tell the story, what specific details they pull through a story. And does it feel like things are missing from that story? Mm -hmm. Like there's when I'm talking to a girlfriend and, Oh, Oh, we okay. Yep, we're good. Okay, let's just give me an orange thing. Um, so when I'm talking to like a girlfriend and they're like, yeah, my boyfriend did something for my birthday and like this is how it went and like it's supposed to look a certain way, right? It's supposed to look mm -hmm. happy. It's supposed to look great. It's supposed to look like they did everything I could ever want, right? But even in those instances, sometimes the reality is, you know, he actually didn't. <laughs> right. and, and that's okay. And if you're in that positive, like to the point of toxic vibe, it's everything was perfect always, all the time and nothing's ever wrong. And it's like, no one's digging deeper into, well, 
is it that way? Well, mm. what about this? You mentioned, you know, it's in the fleeting moment that they'll mention like, oh, it wasn't that great, but then they'll redirect and start to talk about something that was really great or they sensed was really great. Like so they're resetting it, themselves. Mm -hmm, constant resetting mm. patterns. So mm. yeah, that's, I mean, I've, been training myself in neuro-linguistic programming. I'm going to a course on it um, in July to get certified, but I'm just noticing how that's the easiest way to indicate within ourselves with, if you learn it for yourself and your own self self-talk and self-dialogue, but in noticing it in others and starting to name and point out those things. And so far so good. I haven't been labeled the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> but I imagine there will be a point at you know some point where like someone doesn't appreciate being called out on their shit. So <laughs> I mean, then what are they paying for? You know, that's mm -hmm. I can't I can't imagine having a twenty thousand dollar program and not having hard truths come out and like mm -hmm. yeah. If I am going down this route and I'm starting to hear in my story that maybe I'm not allowing the full picture to come into play or like I'm putting an Instagram filter over my life. How do I not, how do I notice that, but how do I take steps to get out of that and get back into reality, I guess? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. I think there's a lot of different ways I'll just speak for myself and what mm -hmm. I've been able to do. Um, for me, it's sitting in silence and in, in true like form of meditation. And that could be walking. I want to make something clear because I, I do talk about meditation a lot. And I know others do, but mm -hmm. it's not like laying there on the ground peacefully. Like sometimes <laughs> it's cathartic. Like it's very like, let me just scream for right. a while here and, <laughs> and meditate on it. <laughs> right. Yesterday I was at, um, I live in San Diego and, there's these cliffs that I go to every so often. My boyfriend likes to go run on them. So I'd usually drop him off and then I go meditate on the cliff. And it's right by the ocean. And it was so perfect yesterday. It was like 7 a.m. So there weren't all the tourists and everyone around. I was by myself next to the ocean. It was freaking magical. Mm -hmm. And I was having a very like kind of sad, depressive moment of like, what am I doing? It was a very ex existential, like, what am I doing with my life? Blah, blah, whatever. Right, right. Right. And I just started like doing this weird, like some sound was pulling through for me. And I was just like this humming type of like sad humming, <laughs> but it was so like meditative. Like I can't even repeat it because I don't even know what was happening. I just let it flow through and you know, no one could hear me because I'm right next to the ocean. So all you hear is waves and there was no one around. So I felt safe in doing mm -hmm. that in that moment. But it was just so nice to release all of that and to recognize that that's how I was feeling in that moment. And that was okay. And to let myself sit in it. Like mm -hmm. that's really what it is, whether whatever form, whether it's journaling, meditating, like sitting with yourself and noticing what's happening and coming up for you and letting it actually come through, whether it's tears, whether it's screaming, whether whatever the emotion is, the more you can allow that to come through, that is actually where the juiciness of life comes through. Because mm -hmm. now you can stop denying a part of yourself that you're just putting on the filter, right? Every day, filter, mm. filter, filter, even just having 15 minutes of no filter and just fucking let it rip, right. <laughs> whatever right. that means for you. Like 
that can be so powerful in the grounding aftermath of that. It's like, okay, once I experienced that, once I allowed that to come up, then I can start asking myself questions. Interesting. I didn't know I was feeling that way even in my suppression of emotions, right? Day to day, mm-hmm. which we all do to some extent. <laughs> um, and some of us don't do, I'll, mind you, I have cousins, other people that they just let it rip, whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know how you do that. I can't. <laughs> I suppress. My therapist would love you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, starting to name, okay, if I can look at myself objectively, like go outside of myself, okay, Rachel's life, what is happening? What may be coming up for me? Um, and starting to ask myself some questions around like, okay, what's coming up for me? Why is that coming up for me? What happened recently that might be pulling through? Was there something I was thinking about recently that was making me feel sad or or depressed or, you know, not worthy of the life that I built or, you know, all of these like different questions that help us uncover and unpack what's really going on in our mind? And what story am I telling myself? That's a really powerful question. If I can start to name the stories I'm giving to myself, and maybe not making them bad or not my reality or whatever, but it's like, oh, interesting story you're telling yourself, Rachel. And like, it sounds a little crazy, like have conversations in your head, but like literally separate yourself and have a conversation with yourself and what's pulling through. Because there's a, there's like a saying where there's multiple people within yourself driving the bus, driving your life, mm-hmm. driving the emotional state. And some days the sad ones driving the bus and some days the happy ones driving the bus. So if you can play the director of what is pulling through, what's driving the bus that day, then you can start to acknowledge what's really real for you and know how to get a new driver in the bus. And that's okay mm-hmm. too. And hey, you know, in these moments we get to really, you know, we have to go to a coaching session so we get to pull it together right and then acknowledge you know the sadness later and you can navigate through that if you have like a director version of yourself inside asking the questions and guiding and directing your own self i think that's interesting and i i especially like the idea of sort of stepping outside of yourself for a forgiveness sense for a way of just you know I've made mistakes or um, I I do feel these ways. I didn't realize I was feeling these ways. I, I wasn't giving them their space. But now that I am stepping outside and just watching my story, I can acknowledge that these mistakes happen and my life is still, my life still has value. My life is still worth living. And like, it's not, what I've noticed with the dirt of toxic positivity is that is the crash of people who realize that not that they've been, you know, sold snake oil or something like that, but feeling that way, feeling betrayed and feeling um, taken advantage of, or even if it's just themselves or it's not someone else like a coach or something, but just like feeling that they, there was this story written that they weren't fully present for. Mm-hmm. And I think that it can really crash your psyche and your emotions. And I think that's the, in my head, that's the toxic part of the toxic positivity too. Would you, do you think that's true or do you think it's something else? Yeah, I think it's, it's kind of this asleepness, right? We're mm-hmm. just, some people are just asleep at the wheel in life and 
choosing to not acknowledge and choosing, you know, to let kind of to your point, all of these external factors pull through in that everything's positive and hunky dory and everything's fine, mm -hmm. but being asleep at the wheel with their own reality and emotions around it. So, so let's talk about actually having a positive mindset then. What are, how do we cultivate a positive mindset that actually is beneficial for us? Mm -hmm. I would even like take it another level of kind of um, expanding it beyond the duality of positive mm -hmm. or negative mindset. It's like, it's more of this question of how can I have harmony within myself and defining what harmony looks like and feels like and whatever is true in that harmony within myself. It's like the yin and the yang, right? Yeah. There's still pieces of that yin and yang that pull through um, that have some duality, but they kind of ebb and flow between each other. And so recognizing that both are acceptable, both are okay, the good and the bad, if we're gonna label them, the positive, mm -hmm. the negative, but in knowing that you are the guide and director of navigating all of that, that's mm -hmm. your role in whatever comes up in your life. So if you can hold the core value of everything is working out for me in my life, good or bad scenarios come through. Now we're looking at it in a more objective way of these are scenarios in my life that pull through. They might be good, bad, positive, negative, but me, I am the navigator through all of that. So mm -hmm. I might experience something that is very positive that someone else might not see as positive and releasing some of the judgments around like, well, I feel like it's a good thing. So you should feel like it's a good thing too. Like, that's not everyone's experience. Right. Right. So or we can. Rachel told me that I should, that this should be the thing that I want to do. And even though if I don't really feel that way, this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Right. Right. And just doing the supposed to, supposed to, it's supposed mm -hmm. to look this way, it's supposed to be this way. Like even going back to the example of like, you know, my girlfriend telling her, telling her story about what her boyfriend did for her birthday. It's like, okay can we all it's even in our social contracts can we both if we're in conversation around that can we both agree to not judge this scenario good or bad and can we just let the story unfold the good and the bad and share it in a way that allows her to experience it or share that story or you know if maybe there's an intention of I just need to get this off my chest because maybe there were good pieces and maybe there were bad pieces and not, mm -hmm. you know, place blame or um, have shame around it. Like, can we let all of that flow through from like the scenario level and know that we're just navigating this storyline and navigating all the emotions that do show up along the way? I think that's a perfect way to put it, especially when, if you're a person who believes that, um, you know, affirmations work or things like that, where you need to sort of put on um, a lens of this path that I'm on is to the end that I want it to be. You know, like I, I want to be a millionaire or something like that. And I know that that's what I want. You know, I've written out my little things. I know that this is why I want these things. And I'm not going to put blinders up. I'm going to think and work towards the understanding that I will be a millionaire, but I'm not going to ignore 
my credit card debt. I'm not going to ignore that to get a plumber. You know, like I'm not going to ignore all of these things that come up because like you said, I'm going to drive this bus through on this path and make sure that I'm going to end up getting where I am, where I want to be. Do you yeah. think that's true? Did I get that right? Yeah, no, I love that. And I love that I'm not going to ignore, right? So maybe mm -hmm. even that's the statement you sit with. It's I'm not going to ignore that I'm feeling um, this guilt around, you know, taking a shopping spree. I'm not going to ignore right. that I'm feeling resentful because my partner went and bought, you know, a trip for us, but we had agreed that we were going to save that money, right? right? So it's really acknowledging and recognizing and not ignoring what is all of the truths that we're we're living with and even to the point like i liked how you brought up the affirmations piece the affirmations are great to help you guide towards a north star mm -hmm. but you there's still work to be done right there's still right. things <laughs> to do along that path and can we be content in in that balance of can we still feel satisfied along that journey and knowing that you know, we're not there yet and knowing that it's an experience that we're creating. And then that's where it can be really freeing to feel contentment, right? Yeah. Can I be content with where I'm at right now and know that I am doing the work to get to that North Star? Because what ends up happening, um, especially with the money scene, is we're never actually happy. We, we right. get the 100,000, we get the 200,000, we get the 500,000, we get the million. You know, even if in interviewing um, and listening to interviews of billionaires, they still aren't happy or content because they're just constantly fighting for this thing that's unattainable. So mm. that's really where I think we can do ourselves a favor and feel more content along that journey because that's kind of the fun in it. It's the journey that's fun. Once you get to the roller coaster ride and ride the roller coaster, like it's over. <laughs> like yeah. you gotta go find another roller coaster. So yeah. Enjoy like, the holy journey. shit, that was a really fast roller coaster. I, right. I waited it all I waited all long for this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's a perfect analogy. So mm -hmm. I there's like 56 other questions to <laughs> you know to dive into this, but oh, I what? think that that is for your clients who need the, your help. So let's talk about financial coaching and what you do and what kind of work you want people to do before they start coming to you. Yeah, that's a good question. The work they should do before coming to me. <laughs> oh man. Um, I don't know that there's like work to be done other than knowing what your intention is. I have a lot of people that come and I, I do think that I probably play a very hypey game of <laughs> anything is possible right but that's and that's what gets people on a phone call whatever yeah. that's fine but oh, and reality, also you don't want to be the coach who's like let's keep that debt yes that'll right, be great right. yeah <laughs> right totally exactly there's a other there's a balance to it but right. i think what i often when i first meet with someone they they don't know what they want so mm. in doing some of the mindset work, some of the deeper dives within themselves, within their own life of what is it that you are wanting? Um, even if that's just at a very surface level and we can dig deeper into that, I, I, I need a place to start from. And so I think it's important to do that work of, do you want to, you know, if it is, you want to make six figure 
a six-figure year. You want to make your first 100000 Cool. We can do that. If you want to make your first million, cool. We can do that. If you want to get rid of $30,000 worth of debt, awesome. Like there's some, some pinpoint I can start from and then we can build around that. But I find a lot of women in particular, like they'll come to me and they just want help, but they don't know like they don't have a starting point of anything necessarily that they want help with. So that's usually the homework I send them away with is, okay, go journal on these eight questions and see what, what comes through and what pulls up as far as like, where do you want to actually go with this? Because I don't want to sit here on a 12 week coaching journey and then you're like, well, is that really even what I wanted? I don't know. We don't find out mm. until session six that, you know, actually what you want is complete, completely different. So. And that's actually something that um, I wanted to ask you about. What what do you do with your clients when you uncover that they have this goal because they think they're supposed to have this goal? Like, uh, I'm coming to you because I want to be a millionaire, because I think I'm supposed to be a millionaire. Like, I think that's what I'm supposed to want. I don't even know if I want that. Like, how do you how do you work through that? Yeah, I usually work through that before I even have them like mm. pay for a program. So I mm. usually can work through that in one or two sessions, like preliminary um, application sessions, usually. Um, there's been a few that it's like taken three or four of those, but <laughs> I, I just want to make sure I'm sure that you're sure, like we know what right. we're doing <laughs> before right. we dive into this, because that would be the worst. I haven't had that happen yet where like six weeks in someone's like, this is not what I'm just kidding. Like, redirect, right. like redirect. I haven't had it, but I do attribute it to the fact that I will spend probably more time than most coaches in my experience in really digging into what is it that you are wanting before we commit to this journey together. Um, because that cuts my work out for me too, in terms of what I'm going to share and uh, uncover and develop more. Now um, I'd say that specifically what most people come to me for is kind of that I want to make a hundred thousand dollars a year. I want to make 250 or like some sort of dollar number income, which I love. Mm -hmm. I love income goals. What I actually don't love as much is like, I have $30,000 worth of debt and I want to get rid of it in 12 weeks. It's like, okay, you make $50,000 yeah. a year. Yeah. Like, okay, can we be real about our right. intentions here and goals? Like, and where you're at and where you want to go and the gap in between. Right. So I think just setting realistic expectations is a lot of what I end up doing in those uh, preliminary calls. It's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And where are you at now? Right. <laughs> um, let's be realistic. But I think what's also important in a lot of the sessions that I do preliminary is what is the rate of return on that? Because if you're going to pay me five grand for a 12 week program or 20 grand for a year long program, I want you to get your money's worth out of that. I want you to get the money back from that even. So part of my planning process in that strategy session is and this is how we're going to get that money back and more. Right. So making sure and, you know, that's probably just a facet of me being more of the finance type of money coach. But like the whole point is to make money. Yeah, mm -hmm. I get it. And that's what we want to do. But we have to recognize where, you, where you're starting from. So how can people come to you and what kind of expectations should they have? Yeah. The easiest way to honestly work with me at a very, I'd say, lower uh, barrier of entry. 
Yeah, very foundational level is to join the membership programs. My membership is 100 bucks a month and you can ask me anything. It's basically a ask me anything. You get access to all of the courses I've ever created. There's like 137 of them in there. Oh and yeah, <laughs> so it's just like I've just brain dumped all my all my stuff. And I'm like, yep, there it all is right mm -hmm. now in reality there are going to be people that come from that membership. They're like, I want more. I want to dive deeper mm -hmm. on certain topics. And then it really makes sense for us to do the the deeper dives and one-on-one -on -one coaching. But the membership is the easiest way. It's easy entry, exit. Like you could do it for a month. You could do it for 12 months. Most people end up doing it for about 12 or 13 months. And then they're like, okay, I've gone through all the lessons. I've completed this. I feel good. And they either go on to work with me in a one-on-one -on -one capacity on something very specific, which is what I want to help them with, um, or they feel complete. They feel good they can move on so they have the foundational elements of all those little questions that come up and should i pay off this credit card should i buy this insurance should i do this should i do that it's like navigating all of that through all of that coursework and that membership program i am stuck on you having 137 courses <laughs> for the record if you're listening to this and not watching this rachel is beautiful and very well rested looking she does not look like she's been <laughs> spending her whole life creating 137 courses wow yeah. that's that is yeah. prolific that's, i mean it's 15 years worth of like you know yeah. knowledge so you don't you don't start out in one year doing that you don't start <laughs> out yeah yeah it takes time and energy and effort and help lots of support systems incredible so where can people get this information where can they sign up for the membership Yep. So financialfitnessunleashed.com is where they can sign up for the membership. Um, and I actually, since we've last talked, I started a new um, community on Facebook, Her Money Club. So nice. if you type into Facebook groups, Her Money Club, that's an actual free way to get access to um, different stuff that I do weekly. I just do like little mini play shops every single week. And that's a really good way to just get to know me better and really uh, see what I have to offer. So cool. And Michelle, is there anything that you think we missed that we should cover before we go? Hmm. No, this was a good topic. I liked this. So I yeah, appreciate you bringing it up and yeah, happy to dive deeper, but yeah, I feel complete. Excellent. And thank you so much again. I really appreciate your help and you have made this way less scary. Good. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> of course. Hey guys, one more thing before you go, could you do me a favor and leave a review of this episode? It would help me out so much and get the word out to other people. If you could just drop a review, I would really appreciate it.